Hi there and welcome back to the FFS podcast and welcome back to the MWS series. Now for those of you who are just joining us for episode number 10 for the first time uh, to, and wondering what the hell the MWS series stands for, it's basically the midweek fixture series, a sister series to the main flagship program which is the FFS podcast where we kind of do, we kind of review game days match days weekend match days or the champions league match days with guests of various clubs uh, and so for today's episode which is episode number 10 it's a little bit different because of certain scheduling conflicts and time differences and all of that we're splitting this particular episode into two parts so the first part we're going to be discussing one of the biggest matches in bundesliga currently which is the bayern munich versus rb leipzig was it, was it uh, Bayern versus Leipzig or Leipzig versus Bayern I probably have to get that right before I get chewed out in public so it was, it was at the Allianz Arena right yes yes yes, yes. awesome <laughs> all right perfect uh, so I got that right so yeah so as you could hear from uh from that brief little note uh that we do have two guests on this podcast one is a Bayern Munich fan one is a RB Leipzig fan so we got Augustus and For those of you who've listened to our FFS podcast the recent one you might notice that we've got him on here for the MWF episode as well and Jens who supports RB Leipzig is a newbie to both the FFS and the MWF series so I'm glad that we could have them on here and yeah I can't wait to see what the next 15 minutes or so brings up obviously I will talk about part 2 when I do part 2 later on so guys I mean Bayern versus Leipzig it was probably one of the more entertaining matches that I've ever watched in in recent history at least in term in terms of the bundesliga and i think even the premier league so at least the season what did you guys make of that match were you as enthralled by it as i was yeah i uh, i actually found it uh yeah one of the most interesting uh, matches of rb leipzig i've watched uh, this season actually uh yeah it was a, it was a thriller i don't know if uh, augustus agrees with me but It was a really good, really good match. Well, Augustus was in Amsterdam. He probably only wrote. I I had to rewatch the game. I I didn't watch it like on time, so I had to rewatch the full game. But it was definitely a very interesting game. I think rewatching and knowing the score made me maybe uh, enjoy it a bit less than Jens and the other guys who, who watched the game live. But it was definitely a very interesting game. And as always, like Leipzig, Bayern is all like games are always very interesting, very good, very a lot of goals. And yeah, agree. Tactically, it's like. highest level like really the highest level but agree i just wanted to ask you do you guys think that this is the new classico from now on no i don't i don't i don't think it is it's uh, definitely one uh yeah one one of the uh yeah highest quality matches in the bundesliga that's that's for certain but uh i don't think it's the new der classico that uh, leipzig just doesn't have the history for it yet uh, we we are creating it But uh, yeah, we don't have the history to call it a classico or anything. Awesome. And Augustus, your thoughts on this? Do you think uh, Leipzig are one of these teams that will probably go toe to toe with Bayern more than Borussia Dortmund? Yeah, I think it's 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 really one of the best uh, run clubs in in Europe right now. Leipzig is really a good example, like to follow for many other clubs because a lot of people talk about them being you know uh sponsored or like owned by uh red bull but if you look at the fact they don't spend that much money they really invest in like really good talented players very talented coach and honestly Agreed. i think 
they're always going to be around, you know, they're always going to be a very good team because their plan itself is really good. Like the way they're rebuilding their club is really, really interesting. And I don't think that would just like disappear or vanish. I think it's really one of the clubs that others should look at, especially Schalke maybe. And they should like try and follow that example. Yeah, Schalke, Barca, Arsenal, all should, uh, yeah, should look at Leipzig for uh, example. Like, uh, yeah, the man that like made made Leipzig big. Uh, how, how is he called again? Uh, Rangnick. I don't know if uh, you guys yeah. heard yeah. of him. Yeah, he's uh, right right now. I think uh, without a club, and he was uh, mentioned as uh, yeah, Dief Bau, uh yeah, coach for uh, Germany. But I think he sh actually should go to Arsenal or uh, Barcelona to like restructure their role. Yeah, management uh, and yeah, maybe philosophy uh, for Arsenal. Oh yeah, I can probably bring that up in part two, and that was kind of a spoiler alert because that we'll be talking about to an Arsenal fan about it, and they're definitely crying out for somebody to come there. Uh, but apart from that, did you feel that it was a deserved point, or did you feel against that probably Leipzig were kind of saddened by the fact that they were leading and then kind of dropped it? I think I think it's definitely a, a, a deserved point if you uh, look at this statistic. Uh, it shows really how dominating Bayern were uh, as well in the statistics in the in the match Leipzig uh, yeah uh, counter attacked them and uh, yeah Angelino had a yeah marv marvelous uh, assist on uh, the head of Forsberg and uh, yeah that that one shows how yeah weak Bayern defense can be. And uh, yeah, Leipzig defense isn't that strong uh, either, though uh, the last couple of games. But uh, yeah, I think the point was yeah deserved, deserved honestly. Uh, I agree. Honestly, it was a really good game. I think overall both teams played really well. I think Leipzig really knew how to upset Bayern, and especially with the false nine. I think like playing Forsberg as a false nine was a really big problem for Bayern because they really used the Nkunku powered and like dual and they really made a very good use of Nkunku I think on 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 the left side yeah and Nkunku and even Clivert was really yeah even Clivert yeah. I think from the other side was really good so Bayern really struggled with both and really struggled with having a false nine that was not always there so I think Boateng and especially Niklas Sule had had some problems that game and they were very very shaky yeah I think yeah. Uh, actually Forsberg, Forsberg's role is like uh a totally different role than a false nine is he's, he's kind of uh, Nagelsmann kind of invented uh, like a brand new role for Forsberg and he's playing magnificence uh, yeah he's, he's playing really well in that uh, in that role yeah. honestly that uh, uh, it was one of the very first games I saw him playing like I saw you playing without a real nine so it was like more a false nine in my opinion but uh, I'm not sure you agree but it was one of the very first times and I was really surprised to see it because it did work super well. I think Nagelsmann really had, but he always does, he always have like three good games against Bayern. Even in, during his time in Hoffenheim, it was really hard like to beat them because of him especially. And uh, I think being a Bayern fan makes him maybe watch us more often, maybe knows more about how to like play against us. But uh, I was a bit disappointed because I think Leipzig didn't really need to play that game that hard. And I think Bayern had to win because we were playing at home and also we already qualified in the Champions League, but Leipzig still have to play Manchester United. And I thought they would probably, you know, give us maybe the three points by playing maybe less serious than they should. But, 
but they really played a great game. I was a bit surprised and we kind of had to win, but we didn't because they were really hard to beat. Like, uh, I don't yeah. think many teams would have been able to beat them at that time. About, about the uh, number nine, I was actually quite surprised when I saw Yusuf Polson actually come on from the bench because I thought he was already playing and then it was it kind of took me by surprise there that they were actually playing without that, tra- not, I wouldn't say traditional number nine, but the their normal, usual number nine there. Uh, but uh, Augustus, in terms of Bayern, does this kind of show Bayern's slight frailty and to show that they are, despite being a treble winner, that they probably have that chink in their armor that can be exploited going forward. Also, given that this is an exceptional season. Yeah, exactly. I think that plays a big role. Like, uh, we didn't really rest after like winning five titles so far. And I think the players, to some extent, are also a bit maybe tired. But, but uh, we also have a lot of injuries between Davies. Uh, Lucas also was injured that game. Uh, so many, like Kimish and... I think the coach is also struggling with it a little bit because I could play Leipzig and, you know, it's a big team. They demand, a lot, like, they're very demanding to play against them. It's, they demand a lot. And I don't think we had the right players. And, uh, yeah, during the game, also, Javi Martinez was injured. I think that was also a hard, you know, hard knock. But even if Musiala did really well, but it's still like an injury early on in the game that could a little bit shake your plans. Yeah, I think, honestly... Maybe the schedule is very hard for us at the moment, so maybe we're not like at our best, and maybe we're one of the teams that you can beat. But I think Bayern and Liverpool still always know how to win. We're still first in the league, first in our group. We completely, for example, all our big games we kind of won: uh, BVB, uh, Atleti, and now, yeah, Leipzig managed to get to get a point. But even last season, they managed to, to always play good against us when we won the trouble. Like they, I think that we 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 didn't win. Yeah. It was two draws, I think. And yeah, again, I agree. Were, were you surprised, like Augustus said, about the lineup that RB Leipzig had, Leipzig had put out, given that you know you're going to go into a really important match against Manchester United? And as I get it, as I understand it, two players are now out with COVID positive. Not that it would have, that could have happened even if you didn't play them. But uh, were you slightly surprised by the lineup, or did you think that? I mean, right now it's still early, so it's not a a matter of prioritizing one over the other. Yeah, I was actually quite surprised by the lineup by uh, seeing Justin Kluivert uh, in in the lineup. I'm actually not uh, used to be not a big fan of him, but after this match, he really, really earned my respects. He played a solid, solid game, and uh, yeah, and I was also surprised to see that we uh, didn't play with uh, Oma, although he came on. Uh, yeah, and, uh, Serloth and Paulson, of course, uh, you would expect like a, a 25 million, uh, yeah, 25 million striker would play over, uh, yeah, a left winger converted to a false nine like Forsberg. But honestly, I'm always supri- surprised by the lineup, uh, Nagelsmann is uh, creating. Right. And I mean, talking about earning your respect and everything, I, I was quite surprised to see that I think. Like you mentioned, Javi Martinez got injured and I'm very surprised to see that people were actually slightly glad that he got so injured. I'm not sure why that yeah. was. thing on the timeline recently. Yeah, I think, I think honestly, there's like a, a problem. I, I don't get it, honestly, because you, players don't choose to play. So if the coach wants him to play, then he's going to play. He's paid for that. So I don't get the hate on the player itself. I can get that you maybe don't agree with some 
coach choices, but that happens in every team. I think every like every fan has, you know, at some point kind of like wants this player to play more than the other because he prefers this player. So uh, I get that. I get it also with like Musiala, Mark Roca for now. I think Mark deserves to get some some time and, you know, we should prepare him for like the after Javi because Javi is not going to always be there. But uh, I don't get the hate on Javi because it's someone who did a lot for this club and I, I always said it. I'm a really big fan of that guy because he really bled for the club and he really gave his career for the club. So I can't really hate on him and uh, honestly, as long as the coach wants him to play, he should play. And yeah, he got injured sadly that game and I think he's going to be out until January. So uh, yeah, it could be a good chance also for, for others to step up and prove themselves but it's not the coach's fault and it's not like Javi's fault and I don't get why people should hate on both of them but I hope that yeah Mark Roca steps up the next game or like Musiala and uh, but Jamal was always really good so far uh, small problems like small positioning problems but that comes with experience as well you could see like uh, I think I pointed that out in the game that Boateng for example was repositioning him during the game and also maybe in the Forsberg goal he was a bit too deep and he didn't really like track back Forsberg which led to him being completely free in the middle of like the two center backs but like those things really happen he's 17 years old and I think he's gonna like learn with time and experience yeah I agree definitely Javi Martinez is like uh, you you can pretty much call him a club legend in my opinion yeah he has spent so much time with the club and then uh, some fans who are happy to see him injured it's disgusting, honestly. Yeah, we, yeah. We talk about a player who won like eight leagues, two Champions Leagues, like two trebles. I'm sorry, but he he is a club legend. Like whether you like it or not, he is one of the players you know who gave a lot for the club. Yeah. I know that with injuries, like he's been a bit not that consistent, but he is a club legend. Yeah. I, I added to that. I exactly. think Xavi was one of the players when Kovac was manager that people wanted him to play a lot more. And I remember that incident when he was sat on the bench, you know, crying out because. He wanted to play or something like that, right? So it, it kind of was bewildering that people are now starting to slag him off when, you know, a few, a year or two ago that they were kind of wanting him to perform and play. Yeah, I think also huh. at, that, that, at that time, it was his birthday, I think. And like he had a lot of his friends huh. coming over uh, to watch the game. And yeah, that was really bad move from Nico Kovac because he could have played him on his birthday. It's not like he's going to make that. <laughs> make us lose the game or something. I think it was really, really mean. And I get that people was all, were a bit mad about it. But problem is not that people don't want him to play. It's just that they don't want him to play all the time. And I get it. You know, he's he's not young anymore. Yeah. And we should maybe look to the future. But it's not like his choice, you know. Like, it's the coach who decides who's, who plays. So yeah. he's not going to say no. Augustus. Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yes? I, I'm actually interested in your thoughts about... Uh, in my opinion, Neuer's mistake uh, leading to the uh-huh. uh, first goal of uh, yeah, Nkunku. Honestly, I think I talked about it and a lot of people got mad, but for me, it was Niklas Sule's mistake. So, from from how I, from how the way I see it is we were we had the ball. Like, Martinez won the ball really high on the pitch. Yeah. It was really good pressing. And the problem, if you look at the scene again, you're going to see that the right side of, like, Muller got the ball and he was looking to the right side and there was no one. And I think that uh, Benjamin Pavard really should have like when moved up because if Martinez is pressing on the left, then you know the right back should go a bit higher, and he didn't, and that was really a big problem. So we lost the ball because Miller had to play a very risky ball to to 
the Rosane, if it went, it would have been a goal. I think it was Upamecano who stopped it. And then, you know, very fast, two balls, like, and I think Leon was already beaten because he was out of position since we were pressing high. And, uh, yeah, you had Forsberg and Boateng who had to go out for the challenge. If you yeah, see but so, Neuer Nicholas, literally fly, flied in. <laughs> Yeah, but if you if you look right, like you had you had Nicholas who always who you know kind of like didn't respect the high line, uh, didn't respect the offside line. So he let uh, Kunku, I think he was like covering him from the other side because he was following Clivers, and he should not. He should have stopped and you know like timed his run as Pavard. So I do get why people blame it on Neuer because he was very high on the pitch and he didn't win the ball. But yeah, in my opinion, he shouldn't shouldn't have been that high with. Uh, Literally two defenders, like in close range, to uh, but, yeah, to still kinda, get the ball. I kind of get it though. Oh, but I think Norris also that kind of a keeper that's high risk, high reward. So yeah, if yeah. they got in it, then you know definitely been praising it. The the funniest part out of that entire exchange was that people started praising Testegen immediately, and then a few hours later or an hour later, Testegen yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it was hilarious. Uh, but, but all right, but no, that I, happens all the time. Yeah, the last person I wanted to kind of mention was Thomas Muller. I think what a player he's becoming. I mean, he already was for Bayern Munich. Again, under Hansi Flick, shown his, you know, how important he is to that side with those, I think, two goals, right? Yeah, for me, honestly, he's, he is like a second coach on the pitch. <laughs> you know, like we've seen it with, with Atleti. He was out. He was like literally talking to the coach and he got inside the game. And we, we were playing with... Bayern and see, we're playing with the kids, you know, the Atletico game because everyone was injured from mm -hmm. like uh, Lewandowski to all the others. And he, he came in and he got the penalty and he went and shot it and scored, which was very, you know, like leadership, a lot of leadership. And I don't get why he's not called to the German national team, honestly, because uh, that's exactly <laughs> what they are. That's missing. another conversation for another time. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what they're. Huge missing. mistakes there. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, uh, is, it is fucking tough player. All right. So the last one that I do have is obviously, I don't know how superstitious you are, Jens, but do you think that the point that you got from Bayern Munich again at definitely playing away is that a sign to of things to come at Leipzig this season in terms of you know where you could end up at the end I don't want to say it because I put out a tweet saying that come on I know that this might not have an impact in the long term because we all know you know how strong Bayern are but, but like how, how it, it how may have definitely have an impact though yeah yeah yeah, no, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure about it like uh, in the long term uh, it means Bayern lost two points against us and uh, we lost two points against Bayern. So uh, if there is uh, going to be a, a title race between uh, us two teams or uh, between uh, Bayern Dortmund or maybe even Bayern Gladbach, Gladbach is playing really strong as well. Don't forget that. Uh, it it well. may, yeah, Leverkusen as well. It may definitely uh, impact Bayern, uh, but it could also uh, definitely impact us. Like uh, the those two points, you never know when you're gonna gonna need them. And Augustus, do you feel that this is gonna be a two horse race or three horse? Race? I know it's probably too early to predict, but from your first glance, you've already played Dortmund, you've played Leipzig. Now, uh, what do you kind of see this? Hap what do you see happen to the Bundesliga this season? Honestly, I think it's gonna be very tight. Like, uh, it's gonna depend a lot on the Champions League and how the other teams are gonna do in the, in the Champions League because I think it takes a lot of your energy. We've seen it with Leverkusen. They managed to beat even Gladbach after I think Gladbach played the Champions League game, and you can see that the effect you know really plays. Uh, I hope 
for example, that all the teams managed to get out. I hope that Leipzig will play a great game against North, uh, against Manchester United and that yes, they will get please. like at least, you know, the, the qualification <laughs> to the next step. And honestly, I really expect like a really tight season, really tight race. I think it's going to play, it's going to be like really, really hard with our schedule because we're going to like probably keep going on in the Champions League and we're going to probably have to keep fighting on the three, for the three titles again this time. Plus we have the World Cup that's coming. So I think, yeah, uh, like the other teams will probably have a good chance to win the title this year. So it's up to them, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know about uh, Munchen Gladbach because I, 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 they don't, I don't think they're the last in the table, if I'm not mistaken. Inter or Inter's last. One of them was last. I, I'm not quite sure on that. But yeah, Jens, you want to say. They lost to Inter, yeah, last game. Yeah, yeah but they, uh, rec- I reckon they beat Leipzig. I watched that game, but I can't remember the uh, outcome. I, I reckon they beat us like 1-0, but not sure. Uh, they, they are definitely a really strong sh- uh, side where we yeah, should... Uh, yeah, how do you say that? Uh, we should keep an eye on, it, on them. Definitely. Alright, so Jens, Augustus, I think that's all the time we have for this particular podcast. I know I said 15 minutes, right. but... Uh, yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, no problem. But it, it was a fun conversation with both of you and I hope we can was, host yeah. you on in the near future. I think for a longer episode, hopefully... And Agreed. even if it has to do it with Bundesliga, we do the one-hour podcast as well so we could have some more Bundesliga fans on there and probably have a better, longer conversation, more analytical one as well. So, But thanks again. And it was sure. definitely one of the uh, matches of the season so far and one match that I'm glad we could review finally. Thank you for hosting us, honestly. It was a really great game. Uh, I'm happy uh, both teams you know, played really great. Uh, and yeah, I wish, I wish Leipzig good luck for the next Champions League game and hope they, they can get like at least the qualification to the next step. To yeah, thank you. I, I really hope we, uh, we get the uh, qualification as well and otherwise it's going to be uh, Europa League for us. Uh, I don't think that's a big disaster as well but uh, no, yeah. because we you actually can win have it. a chance to win it. So Yeah. 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 No, but I, I, I hope that you I hope you do beat Manchester United. I just hope that you beat the only thing that I have a slight doubt is because Nagelsmann opened his mouth recently in the press conference saying that United didn't play well and I remember that time last time when he did that against Liverpool when he was at Hoffenheim though and we beat him like I think from four zero something. So I hope it doesn't backfire on him. <laughs> like like let's hope. I'm yeah, like, me too. But Honestly, I thought uh, he was right. He, he said, I believe he said something about the VAR, right? As well. Yeah. You, uh, you criticized the VAR. VAR um, with Manchester United, you're definitely going to get a decision or two against you. And you so. Just just one last question, Jens. Do you think you're going to play with like a false nine again, like Forsberg? Or is going to be like someone else, like a classical striker? Uh, I actually genuinely don't. No, um, because when we are going to attack them, uh, we are we are going to leave like a lot of space uh, yeah. in behind for them. Uh, but when we aren't attack them, uh, we aren't able to win. So uh, this is a tactical decision yeah. everyone has to make, and uh, I I think uh, we might have a chance to uh, see Forsberg as false nine. Awesome. Or maybe on the left wing. That's I think they're very well. good on the counter. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. very tough because we have to win. But honestly, he's a really tough coach. So I think he's going to risk it. Either lose with a high margin or like... Win. Yeah, same. I think it should be that way because 
even as you as you said, even the Europa League is not really a big disaster anyway. You can't really win it. So. All right. So yeah, thank, thanks, Augustus. Thanks, Jens. Uh, can't wait to host you again in the near future. And thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I know this is only part one, so we'll get to part two, which is coming up next. All right. So until then, see you. So welcome now to part two. And in part two, like I kind of gave a spo- small spoiler alert in part one, we'll be talking about the North London derby, uh, which is the match between Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur. Though in this case, it is actually Tottenham Hotspur versus Arsenal because the match was at the White Hart Lane Stadium or Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so with me on this part of this entire episode number 10, we've got three fans. I know it's slightly skewed towards Arsenal, but uh, it's, I think given the, given the performance of Arsenal, they needed a little more support. So, let's, uh, so we've got Arvind. Uh, who's been on the podcast before when we spoke about Mestozil. If you remember, if you don't remember that, I'd recommend you go listen to that as well. We've got Devansh, who's also a guest on the similar episode. So, yeah, you could, again, I totally recommend you go listen to that. So, both of them support Arsenal. And we've got Shashwat, who's not been on the podcast before, and he's like an FFS newbie, and he supports Tottenham Hotspur. So, guys, the North London derby, which happened two, day, uh, two days ago, or on Saturday night, what did you make of it? Did you feel like the win, the Tottenham win was deserved? Did you feel that Arsenal were kind of hard done by? Uh, what did you make of the tactics? Do you feel Mikel Arteta is walking on very, very thin ice? Take it away. So, first thing, uh, I I, found, I thought like Arteta's tactics were very bad for this match. He keeps on switching between tactics. Like for the last three matches, he's used 4-2-3-1. And now he uh, switched back to 3-4-3 hybrid. The issue with that is our wing-backs, like especially Saka, by the, team he, by the time he reaches up, it's like the counter has ended completely. So we don't get enough bodies up in uh, quick time. And Spurs usually sit back. And we can't break down a low block. So we usually need to play on the counter. And 3-4-3 doesn't help us do that uh, uh, bit. Uh, in a uh, proper manner. Also, uh, the party injury, he shouldn't have played party when he knew he wasn't completely fit. We saw that he got injured and during the second goal, uh, which cost, and then we needed to switch uh, Sabim Hop for Sebaios. Aoba uh, was not Evans. playing quite well too, I would say. I had expected more from Aoba. Yeah, in that 84th minute chance which he got from Lacazette, last season, 8 out of 10 times he'll get it on target. And this season, he didn't even clear a defender. So, yeah, he's in a very bad form. Actually, Lagazette played better than him yesterday, uh, day before yesterday. Devansh, it's interesting that you brought out the tactics part of you. So, I just want to highlight one thing. Uh, it was an absolutely lackluster performance from Arsenal. Right, uh, We're sitting on uh, 13 uh, points out of a potential 33 in 11 games. And uh, the tactics is something which has bothered me the last few games. So how we uh, so the previous game against Spurs, right? We had 32 crosses go into the box, out of which only two, uh, I mean only two were on target on the goal. All right, and then the the the, the reason I am a little uncomfortable with this kind of uh, a tactic or a move is that uh, we it's very limited. Basically, what we're trying to do is getting the wing backs to go and put in headers for Abamayang, Willian, or uh, Lacazette. So naturally, Abamayang isn't a you know isn't a natural header. Okay, like he isn't like the best at heading. Obviously, he's a wonderful striker, but heading isn't is probably his weakest uh, 
mean, yeah, he scored like what nine nine out of some how many ever goals? I don't so think he's crossed he scored, the double figures in terms of the number of headed goals, right? Out of this total, he's one. he's scored about three goals since he uh, he's come to the Premier League, which is out of eighty uh, six, I believe. So that is like a very bad number when you think about it. And then Lacazette is just, uh, I mean, he's a really good player and he can head the ball well, but he's just really impaired because of his height, right? He's, he's, I don't believe he's about six as well, but the defenders, first defenders are all like six to six three. And it's just a really, and similar uh, restriction with Saka and Villian as well. So it's just a very, uh, what do you say? We're not using the best out of our players. And then the entire fact that Oba, like they want, uh, Shashwati brought it up, right? So Oba, so mm-hmm. how usually la- last year how Oba played was that uh, he we had a we the entire the movement of the ball was set up towards the half line and then the front half was we, we had a more counter attacking space but now we tend to you know against the lower block team we, we tend to park the bus in their their third their quarter of the of the pitch and then we're not able to use Oba properly because he's someone who needs space to you know uh, run past the defenders and. All of that, and that's just very, very like poor tactical uh, knowledge from Arteta. That's my opinion. And Shashwat, okay. from a from Spurs perspective, it'd be the opposite, right? Because we saw mm-hmm. it against Man City, Mourinho masterclass in terms of setting up the block and then hitting the teams on the counter, and then doing the same, I guess, against Arsenal as well. <laughs> I want to start with Mourinho's statement, what he what he gave after the match. Uh, he said Arteta is obviously a very good coach. He has been a player with player of Pep and Mourinho, Mourinho's team, Mourinho's Spurs. They won both City and Arsenal with 2-0. So, of course, Arteta is a very good, very, very good coach. And one thing which is right now only coming to my mind is, do you want to hear a joke? It's Arsenal. Uh, this is a meme. Uh, this is a very old meme, if you all are very aware with uh, with football memes, this is very old one. This is right now coming to my mind. And I know Arsenal fans are very much more in numerical strength than the hot Hotspur ones. Arsenal is old team. They are great team. And this is a very bad downfall, of course. But now, honestly, talking about the match, I'm not going to say that as, yeah, uh, Spurs played very well. If you see the tactics we had, uh, I mean the statistics, we had only about 30% or something ball possession. First half, both the goals, uh, yes, first half also, we did not play very good in first half. Second half was better as far as my view is concerned. Uh, what I watched the match, I think second half was better than first half, how we played. But of course, we had two goals in the first half. So tactics are working. Mourinho's tactics are working, but the defense of Tottenham Hotspur which is famous for, my team is famous for defense, defensive tactics. But the defense, the players of the defenders of Tottenham but they are not at, at their apex, I would say. We need to improve our, the players of defense very much, not our defense. Tactics is very good. We have the best coach in the world, of course, after Sir Alex Ferguson. So the players need to work more, defenders need to work more because we are facing Crystal next, I guess. Yes, it's Crystal, pa- it's Crystal Palace. And if uh, this would be the the strength of players, the defenders, then I do not think uh, I think we'll again end up with a tie, or maybe a lose to a lo- loss to 
Yeah, I think I mean this works best with a team that's much more open like Arsenal who's willing to play out a little more because if you play a, I and I know he, if he sets up a defensive block against the likes of a Burnley or a Crystal Palace someone who also plays a similar defensive block type uh you know tactic then you might come under as in yeah you sure sure maybe Son and Kane might unlock the defense at a couple of times but if you continue to keep doing that i don't know how many teams that you might actually be able to break down teams especially like- uh, you know right now arsenal arsenal is not our opponent we have to, we are we have to compete with teams like liverpool and manchester united chelsea those are those are if we i think from the starting of the season this season there was a i had a feeling that this is going to be our first year and that we are going to uh, win some trophy and if uh, the defenders want play very well at their best if they wouldn't uh, i mean if they don't get what moino want to give if the defenders do not uh, uh, you know if the defenders do not how how can i say obey their master in a defensive team then who are going to do that we cannot totally rely on harry kane and human son all right so uh, from from arsenal's perspective obviously not the greatest game i think uh, shashul mentioned the possession being a key thing and yes we know the statistics say that arsenal had a lot of possession but i think you'll agree that in terms of creation chance creation from with that possession it was slightly difficult given the defensive block that spurs had put up right So uh, I really have to uh, commend Spurs defense. They were like absolutely a tight shop, which was really really good. They just sat back, uh, locked our all our attack, and then just sat on the counter and then scored those two goals. So Youmans uh, on was a like I mean that's like an unstoppable goal when you think about it. So uh, as uh, Shashus brought up, was it but I, was it unstoppable? Because like I I get that from after he took the shot. Yeah, I mean the shot was predominantly unstoppable. But I think holding and all could have done a little better to stop that. So the thing is, you you don't expect someone to shoot out shoot from that far out, right? That's just something which happened would, by instinct. And then I, I wouldn't I mean, you think that I was saying we had same defense against our in our last match that we played in Europa League against LASK, and. They scored three goals against us. Tactics was very, very good, but the defenders were not good. I am, I mean, we want more from our defenders, not from our tactics. Yeah, we have the best tactics. I agree to that. We have best manager, but not the best players in defense. So, Shashwat, when you say, uh, when I said the defense was really tight, right? That is not just mean uh, like the forward defenders at the back. It's also the midfield players who sit I mean, back and you know Hoiberg, uh, Hoiberg yeah Hoiberg, oh. yes, yeah, that, he was like sensational. The, like the defensive tactics that we had, it's very good. Um, but I am talking about the four backward players, the yeah. full backs and all that. Regarding that Son goal, I think so. Bellerin and Holding could have done better. First thing is we don't allow that much space to any attacker. Even if he won't take a shot, he can't come ahead and then put in a cross or. a pass and they can't score from that you can't give time that you can't give that much time when you bring up bellerin right what i really don't understand is how a professional player can get five foul throws <laughs> in the, like 11 games this season already so that is something which is really shocking to me bellerin had like has like five foul throws this season while last season he didn't have that many so maybe it's like something different also our set pieces are very bad Like if you see, either we don't cross the first man, or we are like beyond the last man. We hardly attack. Like we've had a few goals, 
but most of them it's like that one or two chances that come up most of our balls are whenever villian and david luis take them it's like somewhere else only yeah and it's it's kind of those kind of crosses are what led to that counter attacking because you didn't get hit the person that you aim you didn't hit the target and then obviously spurs countered on that particular yeah those. so the entire situation which i thought was really uh poor was uh, the second goal which uh, harry kane scored hmm. the entire counter attack four uh, spurs had like four players who were sitting in our uh, next to the half line and then while we were attacking and then we just had two defenders and thomas partey he was down injured right but yeah, what did what you I, make I don't of understand that? what i don't understand is uh, forget the fact that he he was played when he is not fully fit and all that but i don't i don't understand why he had to walk off the pitch on his own that's not something which you see professional players do because once you walk off the pitch on your own uh you just are a man down and there's nothing there, like i mean when the team is in attacking there's no reason for you to walk out right at least when you fall on the floor the referee can see it and then like pause the game or something like that and then once he came out and then ateta had to push him back in obviously he wasn't able to run cuz i think he had an injury and uh, that was just like a complete mess i i really don't understand why he didn't just fall on the floor there itself and he had to walk out on his own i i don't know I, how i basically I, believe that that move cost us the second goal yeah so the, there are two ways of looking at it one is of course uh yeah i i don't think i don't know why he walked it, walked out because that was slightly odd but also i don't think the referee would have called for it because it's not a head injury and the referees are not meant to call for uh you know are not supposed to blow the whistle unless it's a really no, really of course, but you can always you can always tell the there's like a mutual respect thing that right? you can always tell the player to opponent players to push out the ball it's not london it's not london derby i doubt there's any respect going to go on there especially from there Amorino's was a similar, there was a there was a similar situation where uh, i think uh, one of the spurs players fell down and I, it was a mutual thing i mean i'm sure something would have happened because at least but, That was a very poor way to concede a goal. No, just like it was, I, it was very shambolic. I don't shambolic. know how. I don't know how though. I don't know when that happened about the Spurs, Spurs player going down and asking. But I don't know if it would have been the same if they had a counter attack and they could have scored because, like you mentioned, there were a lot of players. So, yeah, they actually, Party was down for quite a while. Like when Bellerin put in the cross, he was already walking off. I guess. Yeah, so, but uh, it's still. Like, I don't understand why. There's a big time limit. Referee would have stopped the game as soon as that cross would have gone. Like. Could have been cleared any day. It, yeah, but again, I don't. Again, it's also a little further away from play. I don't know how much he would have seen of it. But uh, but anyway, let, let me get on to the final part, which is I wanted to ask you guys what's the what's the scene now. I I know it's been a terrible start to the season, but do you how how do you see it? Do you see the only positive? Rise? The only positive that I can uh, see from Arsenal is Gabriel Magalhaes. Man, he's just been so good. I mean, as a as a 19 year old i believe 19 or 20 22 year old sorry 22 year old he's just come in and like he's just bossed the premier league you know is this he's just real he's like the shining star in our team right now cuz we've always had defense problems and we haven't like when you think about it we haven't actually uh, considered a lot of goals compared to last season and uh, he's just been like really really good and that's one positive that i can tell from this entire uh, shit show of a scene right now <laughs> uh devansh your thoughts on this Yeah. So first thing is we need a creator. How I'm not talking about Ozil, but we need. To find <laughs> I don't want to talk about Ozil either right now. Yeah. So we can get Awar, Sobazlai, Buendia. Get someone in and start creating from the center. Like if you see our previous games, also we have three people on each wings, two people in a box, and we just keep spamming crosses to them. It's not going to work, especially if you don't have anyone 
who's good at heading the ball. Okay, and Shashwat, I know the Arsenal fans here will shudder because I I will mention that Spurs look like they could be in a title race. So, but what do you think? Uh, what do you think Mourinho will take from this? Of of course, good games against but, the yeah. My team is already full of positive vibes. We are at the top of the table, and the only thing which I'm expecting for now is at least one or two trophy this season, which is which I already mentioned earlier too. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward for League Cup as we are in quarterfinals here in Carabao Cup here in quarterfinals. Then obviously I am looking forward to Premier League. Then if I uh, honestly talk about Europa, then there are AC Milan, Roma, and now the third position teams are going to come from UCL. We don't know which teams like PSG, Manchester United can also come. So Europa will be hard, but I am I expect at least one big and first trophy for my team. This season, and yes, we are already full of positive vibes. We are doing great. We need to continue. Few players obviously need to improve. Also, awesome. what you need to understand is that uh, no matter how good Spurs are, they're still Spurs, man. Like end of the day. Wanna hear I a mean, joke? Like, you wanna hear a joke? No, no. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, so the thing is, like four years ago, when uh, Leicester won, you guys were supposed to win the title race, and then you finished third, and you know, two horse race, and all of that. So I mean, it's a long way after the title. I know, as it as a fan, you gotta be hopeful of it and all of that. But uh, trust me, man, it's a long way to go. You guys went to the Champions League final and then you lost. So I mean, even you listen, it, listen my, my to me. My point is that my point is that uh, I mean, it's a long okay, way. How, how many trophy. how many points you are you away from relegation? You aren't gonna get relegated. <laughs> you know it pretty well. Uh, let's hope not. <laughs> let's hope not. Uh, but all right, guys, I'll have to stop you there because we've kind of run out of time. But uh, can't wait to carry carry this forward next time when we go to the Emirates and we have the next North London derby. But in the meantime, we'll definitely have you guys on for future podcast episodes, whether it be Arsenal, whether it be Premier League, whether it be Spurs related. So thank you, Arvind, Devan, Shashwat. Being a part of this podcast, Thank you. it was a pleasure having you all Thanks here. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks, and Pratyaman. Awesome. Uh, and thank you all for tuning in to the podcast. If you're listening all the way from part one, where we spoke Bayern versus Leipzig, and you thought even the NLD would be something that you would was worth listening to, then thank you for listening to it. We are done with part two and therefore done with episode number 10. I think it might extend to probably the 40th minute, but I, it was quite an engaging episode so far. And yeah, I guess if you like the football content that we are putting out here, then please do rate us. You can follow us on seven different podcast platforms like Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we're probably there. You can also check us out on Twitter and Instagram where I try to keep as active as possible. Uh, And yeah, I guess if you do want to be a part of the podcast, then we'd love to host you, whichever team you support or whichever club or whichever league that you watch. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, I guess that's about it for episode number 10 of the MWF podcast. I'm your host, Praddy, once again. You stay safe and see you.